It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Great to have you here this morning. This is the third Sunday of 2022. By the way, I did say last week that it's a very unique year that on the 2nd of February, twice on the day, you can write out 2.22 on the 2nd of the 2nd, 22. You can get up at 2 a.m. and do that. You can stay up till in the afternoon. Uh, stay up till the afternoon and do that again. Uh, But actually, during the week, I had more revelation. You can take it one step further on the 22nd of February. Hello. Anyway, you'll figure it out. Uh, Hey, this is week three also of a series we launched at the beginning of this year called Warrior. And it's our prayer, and we're really drilling into this idea that 2022, we're not just going to hold ground, we're going to take ground. We're not just going to focus on playing good defense, we're actually gonna sharpen up our game of playing good offense as a church collectively and for you and your lives individually, in your marriage, with your kids, in your health, in your finances, in your business, in your, in your jobs and careers, in your sphere influence that we uh, see ourselves as warriors, see ourselves as people who are called and God wants to equip to actually take more ground for His kingdom. So we launched week one, uh, January 2nd, looking at the importance of courage. And this whole uh, series is, is really taking a flyover of a slice of history from Joshua and the people of Israel as they were moving towards a land that God had promised them. And so week one, God on repeat, told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Last week, Rob, the silver surfer, Mason, talked about uh, in our message here about the need for preparation, that great warriors aren't effective unless they put time and effort into preparation. Today, I wanna talk about another P word. I wanna look at the importance of perseverance. Now, full disclosure, today's message is a very close cousin, very close cousin of a message I preached last year, okay? Uh, Now, it's the same slice of history, so there's a bit of a clue as to why that's the case. And initially, and I've never sort of recycled a message before, and initially I was like, hmm, I don't know. This would sound a little bit tedious for our people to hear a, a, a close cousin message to one they've heard before. But then God was very gracious to me. He said, Mark, first of all, there's new people at Elevate who weren't here when you preached that last year. And I was like, all right, well, they deserve to be caught up. Uh, he said, secondly, some of your people, they weren't here on that Sunday. And I was like, well, that's true. Uh, and, then, and then God said, and by the way, and then there's also a group of people that were here, but they weren't paying attention. So don't worry about it. Just go for it. And people are like, wow, I've never heard this before. And I'd be like, actually, I think you have. Um, but it's a series we, we taught last year about around character called Who You Are When No One's Looking. And I preached on perseverance there. And I used this very same slice of history that I'm gonna use today. But if you're like, I'm not going to get this next 30 minutes of my life back. I might as well leave now. Uh, I'm going to drill into it a little bit differently. And there's always more that we can get from God's Word, uh, even if we've read it once before. Um, 
But have you noticed in our culture, we've moved increasingly towards having an expectation of instant gratification. That if something doesn't happen, chop, chop, quickly, you know, we, we get a little bit you know, put off and, and attempted to quit. Now, I talk about this and I say, the classic example is streaming TV. That, and we don't like when we're suffering from buffering. And, you know, high-speed internet is now one of, it's made it onto Maslow's hierarchy of needs as one of life's essentials. Food, shelter, water, and high-speed internet. Can't live without them. Um, the species will die. And it's like, okay, fine. But here, let me slice that one a different way. Any of you, and I'm in, so you know, don't get too uh, embarrassed. Any of you were, are old enough that sometime in your history, when you wanted to watch a movie in the comfort of your home, you had to first leave the comfort of your home and go and find one at what was called a video store. Is anyone old enough to be that? All right, yeah, sure, go find no problem. All right, so of those of you who who went through this ordeal, because it was an ordeal, right? I mean, globally, Netflix have released a stat that the average person, the average time to choose the movie while you're sort of going through your my list and what's new and what's people watching in your area, the average global time between starting the, the quest and pushing play is 20 minutes. And you're like, whoa, really? Yeah, but no, that's nothing, nothing for us who had to previously go out and get a movie because we had to go out, pajamas, even, I mean, we had to put clothes on. Clothes are optional with Netflix. You had to put clothes on, you had to go out, you had to go to the, to the store. And there was a lot of titles to choose from. And so you would go up and down the aisles, you'd look up and down the shelves, you'd take some, you maybe don't actually know, and you put it back. Now, this wasn't a 20 minute turnaround, this was potentially an hour in some cases. So, some of you, you, you get it, you feel me. Here's a question, here's my question to those of you who, you know what I'm talking about. Did you ever put on a movie and get about five, 10 minutes into it and found yourself thinking, this was a bad choice. I'm just not feeling this. But you watched it to the end anyway. Not in the hope it was gonna get better, just because you were so invested that you wanted to get your hours and your 7.95 worth. Has anyone did that? You're like, no, no way. I'm sticking it to the man. I'm watching this to the end. All right, fair enough, me too. How many of you, Nowadays, if a movie's not doing it for you within five minutes on streaming TV, you're like, yeah, next. Yeah, exactly. Because our expectations have shifted dramatically when it comes to instant satisfaction, instant gratification. It's changed how our brains are wired. And I'm fine with this for streaming TV. Woolies have... The best turnaround time from Woolies for my online groceries, they delivered within an hour one time. And I was like, that would have taken me longer to have actually gone out in the wild and, and hunt and gather at Woolies myself. This is fantastic. I love it. It is, however, problematic when we take this expectation and apply it to God's promises. Because God 
is not an on-demand streaming service. God is not an on-demand grocery delivery driver. He actually works to a different timeline. Whether we like it or not, He does. But we like instant. You know, we, we get impressed by businesses that seem to have sort of become overnight successes. And we're like, wow, that's such, that business is such an inspiration. Fantastic. Well, this week I did a little internet search. I typed in uh, successful businesses that almost went bankrupt. Search. Let, let, me, let me test you. Here's some of the ones that popped up on this listicle. You might have heard of a couple of them. Uh, Lego. FedEx, Apple, the Bavarian Motor Works Company, aka BMW, the Walt Disney Company. Anyone heard of that? I watched Luca yesterday, Vesper is Freedom. You got to do it. Uh, and Tesla. Now, these popped up on that listicle. And then I was like, okay, that's businesses. What about people? Typed in successful people who previously actually went bankrupt. And some of the names that appeared on that listicle, Walt Disney, one of them because the, the man, the company, Henry Ford and Abraham Lincoln. So, you know, there's that. But they survived, they hung in there, they persevered and ultimately they were able to become successful to the point where we know them by name today. Um, and then I, I was, I, I couldn't do this because the internet doesn't kind of work this way, but at least as importantly, and I would potentially say more importantly, I'd love to be able to search and find uh, successful marriages who nearly got divorced. No, because I'd want to learn from that, right? What did they change that helped them avert the crisis and ultimately flourish? Because we look at the flourishing and we don't always know the backstory and the backstory may not have been all peaches and cream. Uh, what about successful students who almost failed their course? Like, what about successful Jesus followers who eventually took a hold of the promise that God had given them, yet at some point in their journey, they were one decision away from quitting? I'd love to know those, like internet, because that's the stuff, right? Anyway, Think that's, uh, I think that's the internet calling with my answer. <laughs> All right, well, let's have a look at Joshua and the nation of Israel and actually a slice in history where when we read about their, 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 their journey, this might have been something that, that would have caused them to consider quitting. So if you've got your Bible, Bible app, pop it open to Joshua chapter six. So it's the sixth book of the Bible, the sixth chapter in the sixth book, of the Bible. We're also going to pop it up on the screens so you can catch up as well. But here's the backstory. So we find uh, the, the Joshua has just gotten the call up to take over from Moses to lead the nation of Israel. Uh, Moses died. Joshua was next man up. And he's now leading the nation of Israel. They had actually just gone on a journey from Egypt, out of Egypt. Now they're actually moving towards the promised land. In fact, so much so that they're actually standing just across the Jordan River from the beginning of the promised land. In other words, they could actually see it. So this is like out of Egypt, through the desert. Now it's within view, which sounds great. However... With this promise now in view, they hit a wall, literally. And I wonder if that's ever been your story, 
Where, where God promised you something and you moved and you persisted and you pressed on and you were obedient and you kept moving and now you were standing and you were like, this is so close, I can see it. And then something happens and you hit a wall. Well, in that moment, you have a question to answer. What am I gonna do now that I've hit a wall? Well, here's the nation of Israel literally hitting a wall. Jericho, which was the first city that they were gonna take over, was shut up tight as a drum because of the people of Israel. No one going in, no one coming out. We have a word for this people, it's called lockdown. Or we have two words for this people, it's called Western Australia. Okay, so we understand this. We totally get it. This is not an abstract concept. This is like, uh, yep, sounds like the last two years of my existence here. Well, this, was the, uh, this is a, an artist's rendering of the ancient city of Jericho. Now, just to give you an idea, the people of Israel were over here. There was a river between them, but the river wasn't the big issue. They had a ditch built in front of them. Now, they would have had a moat, like we go, you know, why didn't they build a moat like the British castles? It's the desert, okay? The best they could come up with was a ditch. But it was the same idea. It was meant to be like a first uh, difficulty that the people would face. And if they would try to go across that, they were very vulnerable from the armies of Jericho. Then, if they made it across, they had the lower wall or the outer wall. The outer wall was approximately eight meters high. Okay, so not an insignificant wall. If they then made it over that, they then had to cross the rampart and then there was an inner wall or the upper wall, which was five meters high. So literally the nation of Israel, if they were to proceed towards this city, when they were standing in the ditch, and you've been there, some of you, and look up, at the promise that God had given them, they were looking up at a 15 meter high series of obstacles. And the reality is there's almost always a problem between the promise and taking possession. And when we come across that problem, we have a choice to make, persevere or quit. But here's, there's a clue as to why this is actually, this, look, this looks like a deterrent, but it's actually very encouraging. And here's why. This city's in lockdown and we now find out why. Jericho was shut up tight as a drum because of the people of Israel. Now, Rob talked about this last week, how Joshua sent a couple of spies into Jericho. They went to a prostitute's house to get a word on the street, like what are the people saying about us? And, and discovered that the people of Jericho were terrified. Now, this suggests they're terrified of the people of Israel, which they were, but ultimately they were terrified of the God of the people of Israel because word had spread about the incredible miracles that the God of this people had done. And the people of Jericho, they knew that them and their armies and the gods that they believed in were no match from this reputation that the God of Israel and the people of Israel 
had set up. So they went into lockdown because God was going to defeat them. The God of Israel was gonna defeat them and they wanted to hold out. They knew they couldn't hold out forever. They just knew because of all the things they'd heard that the God of Israel had done before. This was kind of like the last ditch effort. Let's build some walls and let's dig some ditches. The last ditch effort. That's why it's so encouraging. See, the, the problems that the, that the enemy puts in front of you when you are this close to God's promises, it's not because you're not, He's trying to keep you out. It's because he knows eventually you're gonna get in. This is like his last ditch effort. And when the problem comes up, you're like, this is so encouraging. The devil knows that if I can just get my health sorted this year, I am gonna be a great threat for the kingdom of God. The devil knows that if I can, if me and my family can get out of financial debt and move towards financial freedom this year, that we are going to be an incredible threat for the kingdom of God. The devil knows that if my spouse and I can have a breakthrough in our counseling this year, that we are going to be a great threat for, for the kingdom of God, a great legacy building for our kids and the generations to follow. And he's going to throw up everything he can in a last ditch effort to prevent you from entering. So problems shouldn't be like a, oh, they should be like, really? I'm that close? This is so exciting. This is encouraging. Now, the fact is that standing looking at a 15 foot wall, I mean, 15 meter high series of walls would look, have looked impossible to them. I mean, let's just face it. But what we need to remember and understand in those moments that nothing looks impossible to God. He's not intimidated by seemingly impossible situations. So much so that this is what he then said to Joshua. I mean, look, put your crazy hat on. You're gonna need it to hear what God said next. God spoke to Joshua, look sharp now. I've already given Jericho to you along with its king, and the Navy SEALs. So Joshua and the people of Israel are standing across the river, looking at a city that has 15 meters of obstacles that seems impossible and God drops this truth bomb in front of them. Don't worry about it, mate. I've already given you that city. And here's a question. What do you do when what you see doesn't line up with what God said? What's, what's your next move? Is it persevere to make this a reality, not in God's world, but in your own life? Or do you quit? So God's already given them the city, but they still have to move into it, take possession. And historians say that this kind of city with this 15 meter kind of wall deal, there's five ways that you would choose one of five ways to attempt to get into the city. Well, here's the deal. God didn't choose any of them. He made up his own. Something the historians didn't even consider was an option. There wasn't a sixth option on the list for historians, but God went, no, let's go with option number six. All right, great, sure. And the one that God chose doesn't make any sense, which again is a question. When God says to you to do something to move towards your promise and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. What are you gonna do? Persevere, 
awkward. Well, God said, here's what you're to do. March around the city, all your soldiers. Uh-huh. Uh, circle the city once and then repeat this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the chest. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And the priests blowing away the trumpets and then a long blast and the ram's horn. And when you hear that, there's a, the, the, the signal, all the people had a shout at the top of their lungs and the city wall will collapse at once. All the people are to enter, every man straight on in. March, that's God asked them to march, not up the walls, around the walls, just march. Uh, Louis and I, we're creating an urban farm or a mini urban farm at our house, growing stuff that you can eat and so on and so forth, which includes, not the eating part, uh, but the farm part includes a, a, a group of chickens that we, because we live in Kensington, affectionately refer to as the real chickens of Kensington. And uh, we recently added some new young chickens into, into our uh, Real Chickens of Kensington group. They're not called Kim, Chloe, and Courtney, but it was tempting. Uh, one of them is called Sophia Lohen. But uh, anyway, um, there's that. Uh, but what you have to do, if, you, if you're not experienced uh, chicken wrangler, uh, what you have to do, so we've got this, the coop and we've got the chicken run and the little chickens, if you just kind of throw them in there, the big chickens who are at the top of the pecking order, this is a literal thing and it means what it sounds like, will peck the new little chickens to remind them that Charles is in charge and you're not, or not Charles, Charlene, uh, and we'll peck them and you'll wake up one morning and it will look in your chicken run like someone's emptied a pillow full of feathers. It's just like cartage. Yeah, I know. Who wants to do this for a hobby? Anyway, we're doing it. So what you need to do is you need to do a thing called flock integration. You keeping up, Margaret? Flock, you already know this, flock integration. So in our chicken run, we put in a little mini enclosure within the enclosure and then we put the new little chickens in there and they have their own feed and their own water and their little bricks that they can stand up on to pretend that they're tall and stuff like that, like chicken stilettos. And, uh, and they're, they're, in, but they're, so they're inside the, the coop and the run, but the big chickens can't get to them. So you do this for a period of time so they get to familiar with each other and the little chickens get to grow a bit bigger but then at some point, you have to remove that little internal enclosure. Well, we removed the internal enclosure last Saturday. Now understand, for the new chickens, they come from the chicken farm out in Midvale in, in, a, in, a, in a little incubator. That then they, they, they got promoted to a, a box under some heat. And then we took them home in a box uh, and put them in a, a little enclosure, which was larger than the one they'd been in before. But now they're growing. It's about another eight weeks and they're just like, there's no room, no space. We pulled out that little internal enclosure and oh my gosh, it was like they'd all just been shot out of a cannon. They just went bonkers, running. Wow, we've never been able to do this before. They're running up and they're like Usain Bolt, running up and down. They're, they're even like, What's, what are these things for? I don't know, let's find out. So they're just flapping. It's like, it was incredible. The novelty of them being able to walk and run and pretend fly, a bit like Jeff Bezos going to space, was hilarious. It was so fun to watch. Um, well, here's the thing. I'm wondering, for the, for, the, for the Israelites, having spent centuries in captivity, in slavery in Egypt, 
when they first got let go by the Pharaoh and they started marching from Egypt towards the promised land, I wonder, just, I wonder, there's no record of this, but just if they were like, wow, this marching stuff is cool. This is so much fun. We've never been able to walk before. It's always been working, never walking. Now we're walking, walking. It's amazing. Well, 40 years later, having spent 40 years walking, marching, I got to wonder if the novelty had worn off. And it's precisely at this moment of, in history where God says to them, the one thing I want you to do more of in order for you to take a hold of the promised land is marching. I want you to march for seven days. And on the seventh day, it's like seven laps. Because by the way, one lap was about a two-hour deal. They didn't even have to stop and do a set of burpees every kilometer. No, it was just, just a two-hour walk. And next day, a two-hour walk. In other words, you've got 22 hours to recover from that. And then a two-hour walk the next day. No fighting, no screaming, no shouting, just, just walking. Not even power walking, just walking. And we, and, and we might read that and go, oh, is that it? That's a breeze. I could do that. Two hours a day, a walk around a city. No worries. Get some vitamin D, nature's antidepressant. Awesome. This is, no, but understand, it wasn't seven days of walking. It was 40 years plus another seven days of walking. Not very glamorous. One thing that I've learned is that the pathway to God's promises includes consistently persevering with the big ticket items that he calls us as Jesus followers to do, whether they're glamorous or not, whether the novelty has worn off or not, whether they're convenient or not, whether we might choose something different or not, God says, no, here's some of the fundamentals and, and do them and these things will be the, the ticket. I mean, I'll throw in a few extra herbs and spices along the way, but these things are gonna be the fundamentals. For example, as the church, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up so you can encourage one another. Keep showing up so you can be encouraged by one another. Keep showing up so you can carve out an hour out of the 168 we have each week to prioritize God and allow Him to encourage us. Keep showing up. Oh yeah, but something came up. Keep showing up. Oh yeah, but I, I, I showed up last week. Keep praying. Oh yeah, but I mean, come on. I mean, I, ha I have a hard enough time talking to people I can actually see. You want to talk to someone I can't see? No, no keep, keep in conversation with God. Keep reading God's word. Oh, but I read it. 1973, I did the whole, read the Bible in one year. I'm done. It's on my shelf next to the other books I read once. No, God's word is alive. It's breathing. It is fresh revelation. You can keep going back to it. And if you, and if you do that, there's stuff in there that will keep propelling you towards God's promises. Keep giving. 
keep serving. By the way, these last two, I say them for last, and I don't know if these are in any particular order. I don't think they are. I think they all sort of sit as like the big rocks that we throw in. But um, a number of years ago, one of my mentors uh, in the US leads one of the largest churches in the States, and I had the privilege of spending time with him on on many occasions, and uh, we would do two things. Uh, I would ask questions, and he would answer, and then I would shut up, and he would just tell me stuff. And I'm like, I'm like soaking it in, soaking it in. Well, anyway. We're hanging out one day, and he says, Mark, you know there's something that really, really bothers me? Well, he says, no, he didn't, no, he didn't say bothers me. He says, puzzles me, puzzles me. And I was like, yeah, really, tell me what it is. And he says, you know when people like, uh, really puzzles me that when people like getting, the calendar's getting a little bit busy, that they, they quit a, a, the team they're serving on in the church, like serving God's the first thing that they drop off the list. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm puzzled by that too. He's like, in, in other words, it, God can do something through our contribution. Why would we take that off as the, why wouldn't we look at some other things we can edit off? And then he said, and the same thing goes with giving, that when sometimes when, I see when people get maybe a little bit squeezed, that, that giving is the first thing they take off. Like, whoop, no, let's remove that line item from the weekly uh, cash flow thing. I mean, I'm gonna keep the $7.50 Starbucks Venti Grande triple mocha frappuccino latte every day. And I'm like, yeah, these fundamentals, marching, are a reminder that God's actually more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. I know, who wants to hear that, right? I'll take cruise ship over battleship any day. Well, sorry. The Titanic was a cruise ship and uh, there's a clue. Um, <laughs> but then God, now then, then, then God said something super, super interesting, but I, or super, not, maybe not interesting, it's something that's easy to overlook, but I, I'm gonna make sure we don't overlook it. Joshua gave orders to the people and this is what Joshua said to them on God's behalf. Don't shout. In fact, don't even speak, not so much as a whisper until you hear me say, shout. And I take this as a bit of a clue to ask the question, when you're marching, when you're walking, and initially it doesn't seem like God's working because day one, the walls didn't come down. Day two, the walls didn't come down. Three, four, five, six, walls didn't come down. When you're walking and it doesn't seem like God's working, what's the narrative that's going on in your head? What's the commentary? Pay attention to that briefly. (laughs) And if the commentary doesn't line up with God's promise, the best thing you can do is shut up and march. Or this one, when the commentary of other people who you were brave enough to put out into the ether, something that God had promised you, which be selective with who you share that stuff with. Just a pro tip here. And they say, oh, Yeah, really? You met the man of your dreams? You said that about the last three. What makes you think this one's gonna be any different? Oh, you, 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 yeah, we used to be co-workers and you were lousy and you just, and you, and you're launching a new business. How, you really think that you're gonna be successful? Well, hit the mute button on them and just shut up and march. 
Well, he sent the chest of God on its way around the city. It circled once, came back to the camp and stayed for the night. On the second day, they again circled the city, once again returned to camp and they did this for six days. When the seventh day came, they got up early and marched around the city the same way, but seven times. 40 years plus six days and counting. Now it's day seven. This time it's seven laps of useless, ineffective, nothing happened the last six days, so why do one more lap, let alone seven? On the seventh time around, the priests blew the trumpets and Joshua signaled the people, shout, God's given you the city. And the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the blast of the trumpets, they gave a thunderclap, shout, the walls all fell at once. The people rushed straight into the city and took it. Here's just two final takeaways from this slice of history. It wasn't, I mean, the walls eventually came down while they were marching, but it wasn't the marching that caused the walls to fall down. It was their obedience that caused the walls to fall down. Because God could have said swimming. I want you to swim around the city seven times. I mean, ridiculous when there's no water, but I'm just saying. It wasn't the act of marching. It was, wouldn't have been the act of swimming. I want you to bear crawl around. It, it, it's, it's whatever God called you to do if you do it that's going to cause the walls to come down and you enter the promise it's not the marching it's the obedience because here's the big takeaway outcome is God's responsibility and by the way just knowing that this is not the end of the the the, the principle here but just knowing that takes a whole lot of pressure off <laughs> like phew but obedience is our responsibility and without us persevering in the obedience, we don't actually get to experience the outcome. And here's the final one. I'm going to put my Captain Obvious hat on and say this. They didn't stop on six. God said seven laps, seven days and seventh laps on the seventh. They didn't stop on six. And I just, like, I'm not going to get teary, <laughs> but I just wonder how many times throughout history people were this close to actually taking hold of the promise of God they, they'd done the sixth laps and they stopped on six and God said man you were like 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 where you were standing the barrier was now paper thin between where you'd gotten to and and the promise that I put in front of you and you and you and you and you stopped so my prayer today, my encouragement today, and, and really almost like a, a clarion call to warriors today is take quitting off the table in 2022. Take quitting, moving towards the promises, just take it off the table. Like in 2022, quitting is not an option. Quitting on the pursuit of the promises and quitting on doing the fundamentals. It's just not an option for me and my family this year. It's not just, 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 just pre-decide. Because you, you, you are invariably going to come up against walls. Pre-decide. Pre-decide before you take lap one that I'm not going to stop except for two reasons. 
One, I reach the promise, so then stop, break out the hammock, put one of those drinks with the umbrellas in. Good, you didn't stop and now you're in the promise. Or God does say, all right, that's enough. They're the only two reasons to stop in 2022. We really hope you've got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.